0: Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. And as I've gotten older and things, maybe because my kids are getting older and stuff, I found my prayers are changing in a bit. That song, Watch and Pray, it was normally ready when Jesus comes that kind of thing but now I find myself praying more Lord come quickly I really do and it's like I'm thinking you know I want it to happen now I want Jesus to come back now I'd love to see redemption of this world sin be gone salvation for you know that I'm looking forward to that now and the prayers that you see of like you know in the revelation and that kind of idea of Lord come quickly and although I know a lot of that has to do with judgment toward the end I think it's more toward the second coming and I kind of see that same thing now I'm thinking man Jesus I hope you hurry up Because things sometimes seem messed up, and I'd love to have Jesus come and and make them right. You know, as we think about this next upcoming month, my mind is kind of on Bible camp mode right now. We have Bible camp coming up here in just under a month. It starts July 4th. We can actually come up with July 3rd if you're staff. Um, And I've been thinking a lot about Bible camp. And our theme for Bible camp this year is the same as the theme for the congregation. It's on these posters here in front of me, and that is purpose and we're talking a lot about to the kids about finding purpose and meaning in life and what I thought we would do for the next several weeks leading up to Bible camp I'm going to go over kind of a a congregational version of what the kids are going to be studying one to prepare us as staff to teach it at Bible camp and number two because it's a message that is needed because these questions that the young people are asking are the same questions that all of us ask and questions like is life empty and meaningless you'd be surprised how many Young people struggle nowadays with things like like depression, worry, anxiety, and they're looking at life and they're seeing things in the world and they're seeing sin around them. They're seeing things that are... Well, reasons to be sad. When you have people going into elementary schools and and shooting innocent children, that's a reason to be sad. When you see people celebrating in in parades, immoral behavior, that's a reason to be sad. When you hear about numbers of abortion, that's a reason to be sad. When you see wars in other parts of this world, that's a reason to be sad. When you look at even um, things that maybe are more trivial, even like economic situations and value of the dollar and all that, you think start to think, well, is life empty? Is life meaningless? And truthfully, sometimes it is. Now, that might be a depressing way of looking at it, but a lot of times, life is empty. And it becomes empty when you start to view life the way that the devil in the world wants you to view life. Because here's what we're being taught, young people and old people, over and over again, we're being told, whether it's in the media, whether it's online, whether it's in books, it's this idea that look out for you, do whatever makes you happy. And if you try to make yourself happy, then you'll find joy in life. That's the message that that young people and old people, all of us, I'm not going to just say old people are being taught that we know better. No, we're all being taught that and we all buy into it. But this idea of always seek what makes you happy is what we're being told is going to give us joy. And the reality is that's just selfishness. And selfishness will lead to loneliness and emptiness in life. If you're living a life where you're only thinking about self, you're going to be very lonely. Your life is going to feel meaningless. You're going to feel empty. You're going to feel like you have no purpose. So what's the solution to that? And the solution we're gonna be proposing to the kids at the camp, and the solution I proposed to you this morning is this the solution to this mentality that says it's all about me and what makes me happy, it's kindness. If we can just focus on being kind and finding purpose and meaning and helping other people, then we'll find oh, wait a second. Life does matter. Life is good. There is joy. There is peace. There is hope in life when I'm out there being kind. Toward other people. In our Bible class this morning in 1 Timothy, the false teachers there are being condemned because they're teaching from a, a mindset of look at me, pay attention to me, and not out of love, kindness, and a pure heart. The solution was change your mentality, right? And that's the idea I want us to see today, and that's the idea we're going to be presenting um, every day up there at Bible Camp is that when we stop only thinking about ourselves, when we stop only thinking about ourselves and start thinking about others, we will then fulfill the purpose that God created us. Four, And when you look at the book of Philippians, which is our key book for camp, and we're going to be looking at it for the next four Sundays, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, key verse of the book, I believe, he says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look out not for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Paul is writing to a church in Philippi that's like us, that struggles with the same things we struggle with, big problem being selfishness, and the teaching that he wants him to get across is this. Stop focusing on yourself. Stop only thinking about what makes you happy. Start thinking about others, and all the division, all the arguments, all the conflicts will solve themselves when you fulfill this purpose right here. Let me prove it to you this morning. Open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1 verse 13. And we're going to be walking through verses 13 through 30, and we're going to allow the inspired text to speak to us this morning as we look at this section. Actually, not even 13, let's back up to even verse 12. But Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12, if you have a Bible, please open it. If there's one in the seat near you, grab it, pull it up on your phone. I want us to be a church that always follows along in the text and lets the Bible speak to it, because I'm just trying to guide you through it. We're going to let God speak through his word. So Philippians chapter 1. Verse 12. Now, if you're new to the Bible, <clears throat> let me back up a little bit here. The book of Philippians is, takes place in the New Testament. The Bible is divided into two main parts. Old Testament is everything leading up to Jesus. New Testament is about Jesus and what happened after in the first century. The book of Philippians is a letter written by a, an apostle, a preacher, during the first few decades after the time of Jesus, to Christians in the city of Philippi. So Jesus has already died, buried, and rose again. He ascended into heaven. A couple decades later, you have letters circulating with teaching from Jesus' followers encouraging churches on how to be faithful. This is one of those letters. And Paul, when he writes this letter, is not in a good place. Let's talk about that here. Verse 12. It says, Now I want you to know, brethren that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. This has always been compelling to me, because Paul is in prison when he's writing this. Now it might be kind of like a house arrest or have a guard assigned to him that kind of thing. But nevertheless, he's in prison while he's writing this and he's in prison for preaching the message of Christ. He's not there because he did anything wrong. He's an innocent person. He's in jail. He's in a bad circumstance and he's making the most of the situation because he's thinking about other people. I don't think I'm as godly as Paul is. Actually, I know I'm not. But when I think about myself, if I was in prison falsely, I'd be throwing a fit. Okay, I mean, I'd be yelling at the guards, I'd be asking for an appeal, I'd be in modern day saying I need to call my attorney right now, we need to get the news crew in here, we need to do something, I'd be throwing a fit. And yet, he's not. And if I couldn't throw a fit, you know what I'd do? I'd sit there on my bunk and I'd pout. That's what I would do. I would pout like a baby. I mean, I wasn't feeling good these last couple of weeks, and I pouted like a baby all day long in bed. I mean, the world was coming to an end. Maybe that's why I was praying for Jesus to come back. I thought, I mean, I was in for me. But um, when I think about myself, I wouldn't be like Paul. I would be selfish. I would be thinking about me. And you know what? Most of us would be like, well, yeah, you have a right. I mean, you're in jail for something you didn't do, but Paul's not doing that. Paul is in this situation, and while he's here, instead of thinking about self, Instead of whining, complaining, pouting, crying, he goes, you know what? It's all working out good. What, Paul? He goes, my circumstances are working out for the benefit of the gospel. In fact, all the guards are now hearing about Jesus because of me and what I'm preaching. And you guys can be encouraged by knowing that all the prison guards get to learn about Jesus. He'd be like, that's, that's weird, Paul. But see, Paul has purpose in life. Life isn't meaningless to Paul. Most of us would give up and go, huh, this is a waste of time. I'm in jail now. What was the point? It all didn't work out. You know, sometimes when our church world falls apart, we get like that. Maybe, maybe the congregation we're part of doesn't exist anymore. Or people that we held up as good spiritual leaders turned out they weren't. And we all kind of fall apart with it. Paul goes, eh, you know what? We'll figure out, we're going to make the best of it. He does that here. He goes, I hope it encourages you. So he goes, most of the brethren now are trusting because of this and they have more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So they're like, wow, if Paul's preaching in prison, I'm going to preach too. Therefore, we're motivated and encouraged. Paul found purpose in not thinking about self, but thinking about others even when he was in a bad spot. But it gets worse. It's not just that Paul's in prison. While he's in prison, there's other people out there that are like, oh, Paul's in prison. Let's see if we can upset him a little bit. So it's not just that Paul's circumstances are bad. There are other people that are out to get him. Most of us would give up and quit by then, right? Well, here's what's going on. Verse 15, let's read. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition rather than pure motives, thinking that caused distress in my imprisonment. People that are trying to hurt you sometimes do foolish things, thinking they're going to hurt you and it doesn't work out. But here's what's going on here. Paul's in jail. And while he's in jail, there's people out there preaching. Some are doing it because they love Jesus. Others are doing it. Because they think maybe they think that, oh, if I preach and Paul can't, Paul's gonna be upset because we're getting all the attention. Maybe that's their reason. Maybe they think, oh, if we convert a lot of people, it's gonna upset Paul because he's not doing the converting. Foolish way of thinking. However, Paul goes, I'm just glad they're preaching Jesus. Paul goes, they think they're gonna upset me by preaching the gospel, and I'm over here like, all right, guys, keep it up, right? Even then, he didn't whine. He didn't complain. There were others who were trying to hurt Paul, but Paul found purpose in serving others. Let's continue then. Verse 18, he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice, yet I will rejoice. Paul goes, I don't even care why they're doing it. He goes, I'm just glad they're doing it. They're preaching Jesus, and you know what? For that reason, I will rejoice. You know, there's no competition here. We're just out there letting the light shine. These people are doing that. Praise be to God for it. Paul has such a different outlook, doesn't he? What would be our outlook? We might be annoyed. We might be bothered. We're in jail. People are trying to bother us, you know, but yet Paul says, I'm preaching, I'm rejoicing, and I hope you find joy in that. And then he goes on and explains how much he cares here for other people in this next section, verse 20 or verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance, it's all going to work out. He goes, through your prayers, through the provision of the spirit of Christ Jesus, according to my earnest expectation and hope, I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now as always be exalted in my body, whether in life or in death. Paul goes, hey, it's all going to work out. It's all going to be good. That's the attitude that we should have. God's going to do his will. We find purpose in doing that. I'm not going to be discouraged. And then in verse 21, he changes the subject a little bit and says, and let me tell you about another conflict I'm going through. Verse 21, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says there's a lot of reasons that people would stress right now, but let me tell you why I'm not even stressed. And here's this dilemma that most would have. He says, verse 22, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed in both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. That is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. So Paul's situation is actually kind of dire. Paul says, look, I know right now that if I were to die, maybe he's going to be put to death. Maybe if he keeps running his mouth, he's going to get executed. We know ultimately when he goes to Rome, that's when he ends up dying and all of that. So Paul goes, look, I know that if I were to die right now, If I were to just let what's going to happen happen, I'm going to go on to be with Jesus, and that's good. You know, if if a preacher got up and preached that, maybe their dying sermon said, I'm going to pass through this life, but I know that if I die, I'm going to Jesus, we would applaud him, we would say amen, we would go, that's a powerful message. It is. But look what Paul does. He doesn't stop there, though. Paul goes, however, I know that if I stay alive just a little while longer... It's more necessary for your sake. What a great attitude. Even in thinking about heaven, and Paul knows that it's it's on the horizon. He can see it. He goes, I'm not going to go there yet. I'm going to try to stay alive for you. I mean, he'd go out like a martyr. He's going to go to heaven. We'd be applauding him. But yet, he goes, I'm going to stay alive for you. What is he showing us? He's showing us purpose. He's showing us meaning in life. It's about serving others. And what Paul says is he goes, that's how I find my purpose. Look at verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you. Again, Paul goes, you know, I'm going to stay alive because I know it's good for you. And I know that if I am able to visit you at least one more time, it's going to give you more confidence. Paul says, I'm thinking about you. What do we do in those kind of situations? I mean, in prison, I would whine. People trying to, to hurt me, I'd be angry. If I'm about to die and I'm going to heaven, I'd probably say, okay, let's bring it. And Paul, in all those situations, is thinking about other people. Let me think about the prison guards. Let me think about the fact that others are hearing the gospel. Let me think about the fact that if I stay alive, I can help the Philippian church. Three different examples of how he found purpose and meaning in life by not thinking about self. And then he says he wants us to have that too. Look at verse 27. Here's what he tells the church in Philippi. He says, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. He goes, just just live differently. Live like Jesus. Live like the message of Christ. So that whether I come and see you. So if I get to come, I'll see that you're you're following Jesus. Or if I remain absent. He goes, even if I can't get there, I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit. With one mind striving together for faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them. um, But salvation for you and that too. From God. Paul says, Look, I want you to have the same kind of purpose in life too. Stop thinking about yourself. Start getting along, which by the way, the solution to all division religiously is for us to just not be selfish. And that's what he's telling them here. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Think about other people. Have that one mind. Focus on serving others. And you know what? Whether I come to you or not, I will find out that you're preaching with boldness, that you're standing firm, and that even when people try to get you, your opponents are gonna be alarmed. How you're standing firm in that gospel that's why in verse 27 he tells them how important it is to have that mindset then we go on verse 29 he says for you it has been granted for christ's sake not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me and i know we just walked through a text because i'm allowing the text to speak to us today but notice what He laid out three different examples of how he was thinking about other people. And then he makes practical application to the church and says, and even if I don't show up, make sure you're doing the same thing. Make sure that you have that one mind, that one spirit. What is that one spirit? A spirit that says it's not about me. A spirit that says chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. A spirit that he's going to talk about later, about it's the same one that's in Jesus who thought about other people. We will have lives of meaning and purpose when together we stop living selfishly and start living for others. That's our purpose. That's why we are here. That's why we're in this place right now. That's why you are in your place in life right now, whatever it is. Paul was in prison. His purpose was to help others. When he was out of prison, his purpose was to help others. When he was about to die, his purpose was to help others. So in your job, in your marriage, in your family, at school, in your neighborhood, at your gym, wherever it is that you go, wherever God has you, whatever situation you are in, whether pleasant or not, your purpose is to find meaning in life by glorifying God through serving other people. And if we can just do that, all these other things won't matter as much because we'll be like, you know what? I'm doing the will of God. Man, I had a hard day at work. Today was bad. I'm depressed. My boss is a jerk. Whatever. No. No. I'm going to use whatever situation I'm in, no matter what falls in front of me, whether it's my fault or not, because in the situation of Paul, I'm going to make sure that I serve God. And that could be something little. It could be you're tired at the end of the day, but instead of rushing into your house to go plop down on the couch and watch Netflix, you stop and say something kind to your neighbor. It could be something simple like that. It could be that while you're at a grocery store, you let someone go in front of you. In line. Then you go even deeper, and it could be, you know, helping the poor, you know, helping the fatherless, helping the widows, all those kinds of things. It could be changing our community, preaching people the gospel, all of that. But if we just look for ways in every situation that we are in to go, you know what? What can I do right now to be kind to someone else? Yesterday evening, we were, um, I took the kids to the park because. You know, I was feeling anxious. I want to go do something. I was like, we're sitting around on a Saturday night. When I'm not doing something, I get bored. So I was like, let's go to the park. So we, I rode a scooter too, by the way. Uh, we went to the park. And while we were there, we we're playing. And then one of the kids had to go to the bathroom, so we left quickly. But um, whereas we're leaving, there was a lady walking. And normally, I, I'm not a real social person. I was like, okay, I'm preaching on kindness. I want to be kind to this lady. I just said hi to her. said, hey, how are you? Whatever it was I said. She perked up. She smiled. And said hello. Simple thing. And I'm not bragging on myself. The fact that it was hard for me shows that I'm a sinner in need of Jesus just like all of us. But um, I did it. And I'm like, maybe that lady was sad. Maybe she was going a rough time. Maybe having someone say hi and acknowledge her made her feel bad. I don't know. Maybe it was completely trivial. But little things are what we should look for. Because those little things compound. And they become big things. You know, Paul's there in prison. And maybe the guard that's assigned to him. He just starts talking to him about Jesus. And that guard goes and tells some of the other guards. And then all of a sudden, the whole praetorian guard hears about Jesus. And then they go home and tell their families. And then maybe one of their wives goes, you know, I've been thinking about that too. I've been thinking about this Jesus that I heard about. And they say that he's a son of God. And they say that we can have hope if we follow him. And then those people end up becoming Christians. And then their kids become Christians. And generational change happens all because Paul, while in prison, didn't just sit down pouting but instead just talked to somebody. never know what kind of change we're gonna enact in the world if we stop living selfishly and start living for others. Yes, that's our theme for Bible camp, but it's also our theme for the congregation this year. And you know what? It needs to be a theme for our life. We will find purpose and meaning when we make life not about us, and we make it about others. The lesson is yours this morning. There's been a song that was selected. If anybody needs anything, I'll be up here for about a verse or so, but you can always hit us up anytime. But why don't we stand? And Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on the go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating and God bless.